Gale's open, they're away in the Golden Slipper, there's a great start, and Mick Mitt Basque on the extreme outside is about the first out, Jeff Boyle. Jagler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front, Jagler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit to Jagler. This I podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. The Gosford Race Club fills in for the Australian Turf Club on Saturday, May the 8th, with a top program highlighted by the Coast. Three and four-year-old quality over 1,600 metres with a purse of half a million. Co-features are the listed Gosford Gold Cup worth 250000 and the listed takeover target of $150,000. The Scone Race Club will host a unique two-day carnival on Friday, May 14 and Saturday the 15th. On the Friday, they'll stay at home for the Scone Cup and the Inglis Two-Year-Old Challenge. But the following day, the Scone Club will take the show to town for the Group 3 Dark Jewel Classic worth $200,000 and the listed quality sprint, the Luskin Star Stakes. The black type races just keep rolling at Rose Hill with the listed Hortensia Stakes, the listed Denise's Joy and the listed Woodland Stakes for the two-year-old fillies. Complementing the program will be the $300,000 listed Inglis three-year-old guineas. The 2021 Scone Racing Carnival will spread huge prize money over two venues. Friday, May 14 on home turf at Scone, Saturday the 15th at Rosehill Gardens. The championships are over, but the autumn spectacular rolls on. Having to follow in the footsteps of his eminently successful older brother has never phased Brad Rewilla. Nash's junior by four years, Brad has simply concentrated on establishing his own identity as a professional jockey, succeeding to the point that he's ridden somewhere between 28 and 2,900 winners, including 25 at Group 1 level. It wasn't a complete surprise to family and friends late last year when he announced his intention to try his luck in WA for an indefinite period. He'd no sooner landed in Perth than he won his 25th career Group 1 on the Dan Morton-trained Elite Street in the Winterbottom Stakes, an undreamed-of flying start. Brad's move was influenced to a degree by trainer Lindsay Smith, who for some time has been running a dual operation in Perth and Warrnambool, and it was Lindsay who suggested there was a place in the WA riding ranks for a jockey of Brad's experience. The euphoria of the Winterbottom win was quickly dispelled when just six weeks later, Brad was involved in a nasty spill at Bunbury which left him with multiple injuries including a fractured collarbone and a punctured lung. His recovery stunned the racing world. He was back in weeks and he wanted his first ride on Queen Takes King at Ascot, and he hasn't stopped riding winners since on a wide range of tracks. Let's say good morning to a recently inducted sand groper, Brad Rewilla. Brad, I know it's pretty early in Perth. Thanks for getting up early to talk to us on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure, John, and thank you for uh, yeah for, for thinking of me. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to happy to join that. Uh, Nash and Campbell, who have um, also been on your podcast, and uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, going to be interesting, uh, reminiscing and and uh, going going back um, through some old stories. Well, we're recording this on a Sunday morning before you head off to Northam, about eighty-four kilometres from Perth. A couple of days ago, you were at Geraldton. How are you handling the travelling? Oh, look, it's um, it's it's been you know, it comes hand in hand with being a jockey, especially coming from Victoria, where if it's not six days a week, it's seven days a week. Um, traveling long, long, you know, um, long drives to uh, distant tracks all over Victoria, and um, um, it's it's not something that's ever ever bothered me driving the car, and and uh, it's sort of a way I've always used to to get me weighed anyway. I sweat in the car, and um, it uh, gets me to the races in the zone, ready that ready the yeah. punch out. Um, hopeful winners. So you often turn the heater on. 
Not often, always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You had a number of rides on Saturday at Ascot and you won the last on a horse called Star Align, which I think led all the way. Yeah, it uh, was good to finish with a win because I was a little bit disappointed with, with me ride the race before was the, the, the main or the feature race and uh, yeah, his horse was going into the, the race three, three, three wins straight and mm. – uh, and he actually just got got over racing and, and didn't didn't get him into a rhythm to, mm. to be able to settle and and um, you know more or less hindered his chances and and um, it was nice to come out in the last and um, get things back on track. You've had an affinity with Perth racing for a long time now, and it goes right back to 1997 when you were invited to ride in an apprentices' cup. I think you were about 19. The horse was called Ol Cobber, and coincidentally, he was trained by the man you've uh, reforged an association with, Lindsay Smith. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's funny how sort of things work out, and um, I've, I've just always, every time I've come over to um, WA, I've always had success, and um, yeah, Lindsay Smith. Oh, just just by luck, as as far as old Cobber goes, it was, I came over for the Apprentices Cup and Apprentices Challenge race, and um, it was actually drawn out that you know it wasn't um, it wasn't like I was sort of booked to ride that horse, but yeah. I, was, I landed with that ride, Lindsay Smith, and and old Cobber actually was um, it won five straight before I'd I'd, I'd ridden him, and yeah. and uh, I went to Peter Nucky's place who was the horse's um normal rider and uh watched these replays and and he actually just given had such perfect runs all five and i'm just thinking well i don't know you know there's going to be a time when they're going to be unlucky and uh um as i say i drew drew inside and and um had a perfect run and the horse horse won by one by nearly five five Mm -hmm. lengths i think and and also then i had my other ride was jethro tull for Lindsay Smith as well, and and um, he won the Apprentices Challenge race. So um, mm. yeah, it was a pretty, pretty um, you know, um, good first first WA trip. Yeah, well, you got to like Perth even more in two thousand and eight when you won your very first Group One race, the Fruit and Veg Stakes, which is now known as the Kingston Town Stakes on Nicanero. You'd ridden him a week earlier, hadn't you, in the railway stakes, finishing third? Yeah, look, it was just um, just one of the um, – for 12 months earlier, it was only 12 months earlier, honestly, I was, I was giving it away, John. I, um, I had a fractured thumb and a um, couple of um, cracks in my ribs um, mm. from, a, from a fall and, and – I was struggling with with my weight, um, mm. and actually had that was another thing. I had a problem with my foot that I uh, for nearly six months I hadn't been able to run. And I'm I'm a mad runner for me for my weight, and of course, yeah. I couldn't run five hundred meters. Literally couldn't run five hundred meters, and I mm. I went and seen um, it was actually Terry Kelly, uh, a trainer from Victoria, that put me onto this and a gentleman named Pat Allen um, oh. to to go and see and. Um, you know, I just thought oh, I got nothing to lose. I'll go and go and see him, and he and he's mm. sort of a muscle manipulator, I guess you can say, but um, mm. works on nerves. And uh, and he worked on my foot, and and he says, "Yep, Brad, we can. Good news, we can we can help you. We can mm. fix it." And and it was just crazy. But I, I, the next day, I went and ran five k's. Goodness I me! Swear I could not run five hundred meters, and yeah. and it was just at the time that. Um, um, I met my wife. Started um, running, running with my wife, um, well now wife, and mm. and um, sort of a f- two weeks later, I, I'd, I'd gone from going to go over the jumps. Literally, I was at all all planned to yeah. retire from the flat and um, start mm. jumps racing like my old man. Mm. And uh, yeah, my weight started to come good, and I just thought, oh well, I'll, g- I'll give it another go. And mm. twelve months later, um, I'd ridden a hundred winners since, and and. Yeah. Uh, it was just an incredible story then that Nash was asked by David Hayes to come over to to ride um, Nick and Nero. The, yeah, to ride Nick and Nero. Uh, Nick and Nero mm. had run second in the, in the um, this mile race. Um, the I think it was the Emirates back then um, mm. on on 
in Melbourne. Uh, yeah. In Melbourne at Flemington, mm. yeah, and, and he was um, had the selection of five or six that David had brought over, and, and Nick Nero was the horse, obviously, mm. that you would want to be on. You know, I did ran second in the main Group One race over a mile the week before, you know, fortnight before. So yeah. he had come over to to ride them, and and um, just so happened, me, myself and uh, my brother Todd mm. were uh, going to just come over and spend a few days just to, for a short holiday to um, yeah. meet up with. And I was just about we were at, at the airport ready to board the plane, and mm. um, Nash has called me and he said, "Look, Brad, you've got to give David Hayes a call now." Um, yeah, I'm going to make it. I want to make a call to ride actually um, confectioner in in the railway. Yeah, um, but he's not wasn't a fancy one. He was probably would have been fifteen, sixteen, one type thing. And mm. Nero, like I said, was the horse you'd probably want to be on. And he said. I'm only going to make that call if you can ride that the horse that I don't because yeah. I probably don't want another big name rider going and picking up, you know, um, a leading chance in the Group One. And mm. so he gave me David's number and and um, I give David a call who I'd been riding work with myself for for nearly five years. Mm. And um, I asked Mr. Hayes, you know, um, would I be able to ride? You know, what horse Nash doesn't want to ride in the in the railway? And he, yeah. And he said, look, oh. Oh, yeah, I'll think about it, Brad. And, and um, I said, look, David, I'm coming over to Perth. I'm just about to get on the plane. I, I, can, I can come in and ride work. Um, mm. And uh, he said, no, nah, Brad, you're going there on holidays. Don't, you don't need to come in and ride work. And I said, look, David, mm. I'd love to come in and ride work. See Ascot. Um, mm. It's always great, you know, seeing new tracks. And he said, hang on a second, Brad. Uh, I'm not sure what, what he thought or how. <laughs> he said, yep, Brad, mm. whatever, that's the ride you can ride. So Gee, I picked up um, – yeah, I picked up Nick Canero in the railway and, and uh, Nash Road Confection and it was a short half head away from Regenia's call because Nash actually mm. um, got beaten, you know, um, a, a nose in, in the railway and, mm. and not finished third on Nick Canero. So, um, um, yeah, yeah, I kept the ride on Nick Canero going to the Kingston Town and yeah. – uh, or the Fruit and Veggie Veg- was called then, yeah. And, yeah. And, um, yeah, get my, got my first group one through – the call, you know, a, a massive call by um, your older brother Nash. Yeah. Well, two years later, you won the same race on the same horse, Nick and Nero, who was a grand campaigner for David Hayes. David also put you on a derby winner in the West, a horse called Chartreur in 2010. And amazingly, here he is winning a derby, and he was by a golden slipper winner in Catbird. Yeah, that's, um, it was, look, um, Always great to be, you know, riding for leading stables, and obviously you don't get any any more leading a trainer than than David Hayes, and um, and uh, yeah, to get get the opportunity, especially like I said, I, I, like I'd come from twelve months earlier, going to retire, go over the jumps, hadn't won a Group One race, um, yeah, yeah. To now getting you know opportunities in. Um, you know, for, for for David Hayes was was pretty special, and and then to get the job done was even you know uh, more satisfying. Oh, wonderful! Now you mentioned your dad, Keith Frawilla, a highly successful jockey on the flat and over the jumps, and in the trotting sulky in Melbourne. It's well documented, Brad, that he was known to ride a winner in the afternoon, and drive a winner at the trots a few hours later. What an amazing horseman he is! Ah. Uh, you got no idea, John, on what he could do with a horse. Um, ask his kids growing up. Um, you know, we were obviously riding ponies from a very young age, um, but Dad could just do down Spiegel with horses. You know, he, he could teach a horse to sit down, sit down um, like a dog. Um, yeah. You know, he'd uh, over the jump like oh, it was just, and he's and still he is just an incredible horseman. What he. Mm. Um, yeah, well, he's around seventy-three or seventy-four now, Brad, I believe. And yeah. tell me, I'm hearing he still jumps on an occasional horse at track work in the mornings at Bendigo. Is that right? Yeah, still, and can, and rides rides the odd jump out. Um, Does and, he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, he, he's yeah. We 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 all say he's mad. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. We've. Uh, 
tight at times to, to get him to pull up. But um, at the end of the day, look, it's it's just what he's done all his life. He knows no different, and mm. and uh, he loves it, you know. So mm. so why you know why why not be doing anything else? So um, yeah. he's um. Uh, you know, you know, not only myself but Nash as well. Just certain times we we give him a call and probably when you're down on confidence and asking asking to have a look at certain rides or yeah. whatever, and you know he's the first one to help out. Yeah. Well, Nash, of course, has developed into a world class jockey. Your brother Todd gave it a try before his weight got out of hand. He's training a few these days, isn't he, Todd Rewilla? Uh Todd Todd has retired now from training and, has and he? actually all. All aspects with, with horses, yeah. He's, he's uh, moved moved to Brisbane and um, yeah, settled down, married, married um, um, with Talia and, and Lulu, uh, um, his daughter, and um, yeah, it's, it's it's sort of different. Like, like when he retired, we all sort of thought because he, he was like Dad as far as a horseman, what he could do with a young horse was incredible, and um, we thought it was a, well, it is a loss to the industry that he's not. Uh, still in the game, but um, yeah, it, it just just so happened that he moved on and and um, found found another walk in life. Yep, and your sister Stacy rode a hundred winners before opting for motherhood, and she is now loving life with her little girl Sienna Rose. Yeah, look, um, you know, and she she was such a great rider as, as well, Stacy, and um, you know, it was unfortunately she had a fall fall that really. And the leg up pretty bad, and and um, you know might have sort of played a part in her um, and then early you know, retirement, early earlier retirement than probably mm. it should have been. But um, no, she's she's going strong, and and um, a, a beautiful little girl, Sienna Rose is um, you know it's yeah. look it's a game. She's one year old now, and we we haven't um, been able to see her like we should have been able to due to the COVID. Mm. But uh, yeah, you'll catch up. Uh, yeah, it's, we'll, we'll make up for that time in years to come. Now, Brad, you were apprenticed at Bendigo to Alan Browell, who is your uncle by marriage. He's married to your mum's sister. And uh, it was Uncle Alan, is that right, if I got yeah. that correct? Um, marriage my dad's sister. Oh, I beg your yeah, pardon. Right, so yep. he's your yep. uncle by marriage. Yes, yep. Mm, yep. It, well, it was Alan who provided your first winner at Kyneton in January 1995. Pretty good mare too. Friendless Babe, she finished up winning 11 races in all, but uh, the one you were interested in was the one at Kyneton, your first winner. Yeah, and uh, oh, it was um, pretty special too. I, I remember um, Nash was in the race and, and um, uh, you know, like when, you, when, you, when you're a kid and, you, you know, your brother you look up to forever and, and um, yeah, he ran second in the race, so, so that was another little... Pump of the fist for me, um, and uh, friendless babe. Oh, geez, she was she was such a good mare. Um, mm. Yeah, I actually, one my first three rides on her were wins. Um, was kite and then swan hill and and then uh, me ten- fifth tenth and then me fifteenth ride. I did eat it on her at um, Bendigo, which is yeah, you know, obviously the main provincial, which was um, yeah, pr- pretty awesome. Wonderful. You did the second stage of your apprenticeship at Mornington with Tony Noonan. Tony had a strong association with Nash at one stage too, didn't he? Yeah, and he did at that time. It was it was more or less how the um the move sort of worked out to, to um get myself to in into the sort of city limits. Um mm. and uh yeah, it was certainly great to finish out my time there and, and um yeah, I think my last year um as an apprentice I won the Won the um, the jockeys, their country jockeys um, senior title, and and then um, uh, back at that time, it was it sort of seemed that all the always the, the apprentices sort of go off off not not mm. necessarily off the rails, but their first year as a senior, they'd um, mm. you know you you get your money and and um, sort of might go a little bit bit sideways, and I was just adamant <laughs> that I was going to keep um, keep determined and. On the winning path, and uh, yeah, yeah, actually, and then won, won the senior title the, the following year. Yeah, well, you stayed on the winning path, all right, because not many jockeys can lay claim to winning two national premierships. You were champion Australian jockey 
with 217 wins in the 07-08 season, and you repeated it in 2013-14 with 157 wins. Now, they were seasons in which you were pretty free of injury and suspension, or you couldn't have ridden that many winners. Well, you think that actually the year that I rode the 217 winners, I I, um, I think I rode 160 the year before, and I, I mm. um, actually thought I, I I said at the start of the season I'm going to be the first jockey to ride um, 200 winners in Victoria, and um, it was just something I uh, again, you know, when I set myself, I was driven all year, and um, I actually had two months off in total for that that season through suspension. Um, and um, I, I did have a fall and broke a couple of ribs at Mooney Valley Horse. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, um, fractured his leg and, and, and fell and, and um, broke a couple of ribs. And it actually, well, it was only a week off because the next week I had to ride mm. Week and Hustler in uh, Randwick Guineas, and um, I wasn't missing that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, broke, broken ribs, uh, I, yeah. I went around and. Uh, one a group one, so amazing. yeah, no, but it was a, a, a really amazing season to to think two hundred and seventeen winners, and um, I actually got rode to the two hundred winners with a month to go, and I thought, well, where do I go now? And mm-hmm. um, I, I seen the record was two hundred and twenty four, and I I rode every day that month. Did of, you? Um, <laughs> rode rode seventeen winners, and I think it was about twenty six or twenty seven seconds, and um, yeah. yeah okay. I was, I might be never doing this again. <laughs> yeah, good dinner party material, mate. Now, in 2009, Brad, you achieved a career highlight with a golden slipper win on feeling ready for the late Bruce McLaughlin, but it didn't happen under ideal circumstances. Jason Holder had won the Magic Millions on that horse earlier in the year, but he was injured in a fall at Eagle Farm a week later and it must have been a, an empty feeling for poor old Stubby. Yeah, and look, it was a really serious fall. Um, there, there was, he's back riding now and, um, and, a, and a good mate, but it um, was like a, there, there was a point, you know, obviously that he would and always said that he, he would never ride again, you know, so mm. um, it's great that he's back riding now, but it, how things sort of transpire it just worked out that then I was um, offered, offered to, uh, to I was had been mates for, with Jason McLaughlin for for um, a number of years um, mm. and yeah he called me to come up and trial him um, and uh, then I, I rode him in the lead up runs and it was funny uh, the year before I rode um, All American in the Golden Slipper after running second on him mm. in the Blue Diamond yeah. and through the outside gate and um, it got into a beautiful spot, three, you know, when I say beautiful spot, from mm. the, the barrier, I had, had cover three wide and, and mm. was in a good position at the 600 thinking we're, we're trucking along beautifully here and yeah, time I straightened up, I was something like 17, 18 wide, everyone sort of just going outside of the next person to get into clear air and I just kept yeah. kept getting fenced, wider and wider and wider and we ended up running fifth, and and the horse that ran second had come inside me, so it was, I wasn't a, certainly a good thing beaten or anything, but I, I um, knew that I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't get the the run that I should have been. No, would like to enjoy, you know. So um, the next year I come out with feeling ready and draw seventeen of eighteen, and and um, I, I swore that that won't happen again, and <laughs> uh, yeah, it uh, I ended up funnily enough just trying to not not miss the start, but. But we was just mindful of the fact that just to be a little bit slow away, skip across the field, and yeah. the the track, the heavy track, and and I walked mm. the track, and they were they were getting off the inside, and I, and I I knew the inside by that time it had actually um, wasn't that bad on the inside, and mm. um, went across and just just tracked up on on um, on the in, inside, and and mm. lo and behold landed behind Real Saga, which was yeah. um, the favourite race, and and um, I thought this is pretty good, and. As they kept moving off, I just kept sneaking up on the rail and, and mm. lo and behold, I straightened up and kicked three clear and, um, yeah, won a golden slipper. It was um, mm. just, oh, just such an incredible day. When you made your presentation speech, you gave Jason Holder a lot of the credit for the win and I can tell you, Brad, that he was deeply appreciative of that. Oh, yeah, well, like I say, look, we, we, you know, because he's an Adelaide rider and, and me from Victoria, it's it's not like we would 
um, see a lot of each other. But always when we when when we did, we'd we'd um, always you know we're good mate. I'd, I'd, I'd had been out with him and I'd had a drink with him in in, um, mm. in Adelaide and uh, you know and he's he's um, you know he'd been such a great rider for for a long time and and like I say yeah, how the game can you know highs and lows you're on top mm. of the world one one day winning the Magic Millions the biggest race that you know um, mm. of his career and 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 then you have a fall mm. you know would it, I couldn't imagine how um, he he would have been feeling watching it, you know. It, it, um, I'm sure he would have been happy that I'd picked up the ride and won the race, but at the same time, it would have been yeah. still still um, pretty sort pretty hurting. <laughs> you got yourself on a horse called Viewed eleven months after he'd won the Melbourne Cup. Now you rode him five times, unplaced in the Underwood, unplaced in the Turnbull, and then you won the Caulfield Cup. Now, I hope Bart Cummings was the first to congratulate you on a, an amazing ride. You were in front of three horses at the half mile. You went around one horse only, ducked back to the fence again and viewed got up to win the Caulfield Cup. You must look at that replay to this day and shake your head. Again, <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, it, um I actually just loved um, coming out to ride because then the lead-up runs. Um, Reg, Reg Fleming, you know, was always um, at, at the at the meeting and and looking after viewed and um, Bart Cummings would be in Sydney, so um, I'd be sort of getting me instructions on how, how to ride him. And it was always set about having him primed for when we got to the two majors of the Caulfield Cup and Melbourne Cup and mm. and uh, on. Caulfield Cup day, but Mr. Cummings was was there, and and um, I come out to ride, and he he just said, Brad, uh, the first thousand meters, just all all that matters is you get the horse relaxed and in a in a rhythm, keep it smooth, mm. and from the thousand, you're a good jockey, you'll work it out. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, Gee, it I, worked out all right. <laughs> yeah. um, again, I walked the track, and down the side that that they. Um, they were getting off the inside more or less from the start of the day. It was sort of softer at the start of the day, but by the time we got to the Caulfield Cup, nearly from from the set, no one had actually been on the inside, and and mm. um, I sort of banked on that, I guess. And 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 yeah, when I straightened up, I got into the back straight at, at um, or the side straight at Caulfield. I, I I was ten lengths off the leader and and could see from from where I was to the to, to the box seat. So. Mm. I just smoked up behind him, and and um, he was such a great stayer. He, he was a horse that, the further he went, the quicker he could run home, um, mm. run up six. It was just a, an amazing stayer. Mm. You rode him in the Melbourne Cup of the same year, won by shocking. You were beaten only four and a half lengths, and even though he only had three or four behind him on the turn, Brad, you weren't all that far from the leaders. Straightening up, you were probably within four or five lengths of the leaders. Yeah, look, at um, it, it was really one of the, you know something that you know regrets. Not regrets looking back in that there wasn't really anything that I could have changed. But on the Saturday though, he ran in the McKinnon Stakes um, on the on the Saturday, and mm. and um, it, we just had him going that well. He was so you know relaxed at the fourteen hundred. They slowed up to even time quickly. Yeah, and it was like I say, push button. He just straight away back underneath me, and um, a hundred to one shot following me, uh, just ran straight up his backside, and and um, mm. I, no uh, word of a lie, he was on three legs for fifty meters. Um, oh, yeah. I, mm. over, I was literally in the race, shedding, you know, nearly crying because he, you know, he was a great chance in a Melbourne Cup, and um. Oh, be old, he started to get his action back together, and and um, I was as kind of him as I could. And how he ran third was just amazing. And he come back, and he had actually been stripped behind on one of his legs. And um, I have no doubt he was he was, he was right. And they'd actually up and done the work to, it and he was right on Melbourne Cup day. But he, mm. after having what happened to happen on the Saturday, he didn't settle in the run. He only fell twice going out the straight. Yeah. Uh, um. And uh, yeah, it was. Really, an, a, you know, a remarkable run to you know with the top eight fifty eight to yeah to uh, um to go know, that to, close to, four and a half yeah. lengths from the winner uh, uh, yeah mm. um, but uh, yeah it was 
oh, just you know when you when you're not only riding a horse that won the Melbourne Cup the year before that time riding for you know the legend of racing Bart Cummings it was uh, you wanted everything to go right and it didn't yeah more or less so, yeah. and that, you know that, that racing we've all had had those days where just um you know and uh, what comes around goes around I had a lot of luck and then we um in a Caulfield Cup and not, they can't take that off us so uh mm. yeah we. <laughs> Brad, in the mid-2000s, you became the regular rider of a superstar called Weekend Hustler who had 21 starts all up. He won 12 of them with one second for almost 3.1 million. You rode him 17 times in total for 11 wins, including seven group ones. Now, you believe he's George Ryder Stakes win in 2008 was his best performance. It was run on a heavy 10 track, which was the last thing he wanted, and a horse called Racing to Win had the coal sit on you coming around the turn. He was a great little horse, Racing to Win. Yeah, look at... Um, I mean, he was just such a terrific horse to ride as a jockey. You could just, um, you know, you spring the lids, he'd be on the bar, you know, you could just... Um, have him where you, wherever you needed him, and we had the the run that we sort of liked that day. But um, like I say, racing to win was a wet tracker, and and um, our bloke Wigan Hustler, he um, had won the Ram Guineas, the 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 well the fortnight earlier, um, yeah. and hadn't got round the turn, and actually it was funny all but dead eater with 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 Nash um, um, in in the, in that race, um, which would have been pretty special uh being a dead egg for it with with two brothers but uh mm. yeah he, he then had had his run in, um where he didn't get around the track to he was such a professional that then he was switched on the next time and mm. oh, i don't care what horse would have been in that you know any horse in the world could have been in that race and that they couldn't have been that no. day that's how i seen it yeah he was just um incredible and and you know i always like he won a new mark and the um, and Oakley Plate, he was such a great sprinter because he was so good. But at the same mm. time, he was to me the best miler in the world at a mile when he was um, on song. No horse could beat him. Yep. Now, Brad, he ran in a Caulfield Cup, the one won by all the good. He showed some lameness after the race. You gave him every possible hope in the run, and he loomed up to win on the turn into the straight. And then he struggled the last little bit, although he did get a check, didn't he, about 200 metres out. Something just brushed you and I think you had to check slightly. Yeah, but he, he had his chance and it was um, – look, in hindsight, it was um, obviously um, that, he, that he didn't stay the mile and a half and, 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 you know, maybe in hindsight we could have gone to a Caulfield Cup and Ross McDonald um, – Cox Plate, you mean? The Cox Plate, yeah, sorry. Yeah. It was always the option, you know, which way he mm. sort of went. But but Ross had always sort of set him to be going for the Caulfield Cup. And, and um, like I say, he, he'd copped some criticism for it in hindsight. And um, mm. and it wasn't really fair. It wasn't fair because, um, you know, look, he, he's running the turn. But he'd, he'd won the Underwood Stakes um, because he was, you know, odds-on favourite and, the horse to beat. They tried to outstay him and make it hard run, and and um, and he went went away from Pompey Ruler, you know, um, convincingly, and and or held out, you know, a genuine mile and a half horse um, convincingly, and mm. and then he went to the Turnbull Stakes where he drew the outside gate, and and it, it just was a run that just you 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 could have oh, um, you just couldn't. Criticised the horse because he had to make three runs in the race virtually, and yeah. he couldn't say really that it was a fault of the horse not saying. And and um, so he went on to the Caulfield Cup, and um, you know, as a rider, at least you know, I know he gave him his chance, and and um, yeah, it uh, it wasn't wasn't to be. It didn't work out, but um, yeah, that didn't change how good a horse he was. Yep. Brad, I'll get you to stand by for a moment while we clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with you after this. Inglis presents a boutique catalogue of 60 race fillies and brood mares to be offered in the Riverside Auditorium on Friday, May the 7th. 
The Chairman's sale will follow the HTBA yearling sale and the Australian weanling and broodmare sales. The 2020 Doncaster winner Natoya will be joined by fellow Group 1 winners Pippi, Celebrity Queen, In Her Time in Full Do I Am Invincible, El Dorado Dreaming and Dance Dance Dance. Another high-profile mayor, Scarlatini, the Dam of Derby winner, Angel of Truth, will be offered in full to Fastnet Rock. The catalogue includes a host of stakes-winning mares, and there are siblings to the likes of Sunlight and Forbidden Love. Heads will turn when Kerr Cheval walks into the ring. She's a half-sister by Schnitzel to world champion Winx, and she's in full to Capitalist. Immediately following the sale of Lot 60, Two lifetime breeding rights will be auctioned to Extreme Choice, the young stallion who in his first crop produced the recent Golden Slipper winner, Stay Inside. What a way to finish a spectacular week of selling in the world-class Riverside Auditorium. A unique sale in a unique atmosphere. The 2021 English Chairman's Sale. My special guest is Brad Rewilla. Another marvellous old horse with whom you forged an association was Blackheart Bart. You rode the old boy 29 times all up, seven wins, six group ones, five of those for Darren Weir and one for Lindsay Smith. Now, when he won his second Underwood in 2019, he'd been off the scene for a long time, but he bounced back to beat horses like Holmesman and Galo Chop and Hartnell. Big thrill for all concerned that day, wasn't it? Oh, it was just uh, just one of them special special days, you know, because I'd, I'd come back from me, myself, um, not my bad fall at Cranbourne where I broke my neck and, and uh, mm. um, yeah, it had to have six months on the sidelines and, and, um, and Bart had been, been retired and um, he'd, he'd had – sort of for nearly 12 months trouble mm. with his feet and, and he still kept running so admirably and you know against the best and um but um not not quite being at his best wasn't able to to um uh, rep, replicate his you know his, his his year when he won five group ones in a in a calendar year so mm. um to, to to then you know he's been out in the paddock and enjoying life his feet feet had come good and and it was decided to to uh, give him another shot at the mm. um, at the big league and and um, yeah, when we got into the Underwood, it was um, just a day to you know that you dream of and and um, yeah, it's um, yeah, look when, when you when you sort of become tired, you know, like um, have a horse that you you know have so much success on and and um, you know you get to to get back, you know, in a Group One race that was. Um, yeah, it was special moment. Special yeah, moment. Now, Brad, you so mentioned what? that nasty fall at Cranbourne in 2018. You really did a job on yourself. And again, your powers of recuperation were astonishing. You confounded medical science with your recovery time. Nobody expected you to be back as quickly as you were. Yeah, look at um, oh, it was was. You know, um, I've, I've been riding obviously for a super long time, and it was um, I'd never ever been out for longer than a month with a with a fall, other than my first fall where I got concussion actually, and and had to have mm. six weeks on the sidelines. But um, yeah, this fall um, when I, when the ambulance got to me, I, I wasn't breathing. Um, I was unconscious for five or six minutes, and mm. uh, um, and actually Nash come and um, see me that night and showed me the fall and. I said I was talking to him fine, and um, yeah, the next day I didn't even know the Nash had come and seen me. But uh, mm. uh, yeah, even sort of a few days later, I, I said to my wife that um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be coming back. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty. I get yeah. Um, it's it, it's it's how we we're brought up. It, it's yeah, trait that comes from the old man that we're um, we. Um, it's part of the yep. job, isn't it? You cop it sweet or get out. Yep, you got to take and take good with the bad. Simple as that, you know. Yeah. Uh, the highs and lows of the, the industry can be um, hot, you know. Yeah. Golden slippers one is the top of the world, and then then um, yeah, you can come crashing down pretty quick. Valleys and peaks. 
I mentioned Hartnell's name, Brad. You had two rides on that old Marvel towards the end of his career for a seventh in Murr de Glass's Caulfield Cup and a third in the Turnbull Stakes. You talked about a push-button ride earlier. I think Hartnell mm. was a bit that way, wasn't he? Yeah, Gigi was an um, incredible man. Um, horse. He, he uh, Godolphin, you know, he, he was one of the stable's favourites and, and um, it was really special for me to be able to get the, the ride on him in the Caulfield Cup, um, knowing that he was coming up to retirement um, and, and it, it was tough for me to take, actually, the, the, the day we ended up from an awkward gate. We got into such a beautiful run, but... Um, uh, sort of from the half mile, actually, I'd, um, I'd, I'd got blocked up for a run, and and, and um, as, as much as he still ran his typical, every, you know, always honest race, he, he was unlucky, lucky not to, yeah, certainly be in the first three, and you know, yeah. who knows, he, yeah, yeah, might, might have got in the clear earlier, he, he mm. might have been um, challenging for a win, but uh, it, it was, you know, still. Pretty special for myself to, to uh, be getting a ride for Godolphin in, in a Caulfield Cup. Mm. Just looking at your list of Group 1s, you won a South Australian derby on Laser Sharp, a Queensland derby on Brambles, you won a William Reed on Flamberge, you won an Australasian Oaks on May's Dream for Darren Weir, and for the same trainer, a two-rack handicap on Trust in August. Now, that all adds up to 25 Group 1s, Brett. Pretty impressive. Yeah, that's um, oh, it's been an amazing career, but um, one that you know it's the, when when you sort of look back on and you know you, you speak of the Turek handicap just off the top of me, had Trust and Gust was um, mm. another horse that sort of had great association with. He was he won a million dollars with um, in the, the Vobis Gold races. He, he was mm. um, yeah, just a horse that. I got along with well. He, um, I remember one day the Focus Gold Race at Langarada, like he tried to buck me off going to the gates. Um, <laughs> and uh, he was a horse that had character, and and um, yeah, we we always got along, got, got along well, and you know had a lot of luck on him. And um, yeah, yeah, and, and another association. I've got to make mention of um, a horse called Slalom. John, oh, yeah. um, he was a horse that. Um, it, you know, you, you look back on a weekend hustler and trusting us that Salem was a really good horse, good um, stable horse. I mean, um, talented horse, but at the same time, he wasn't a Group One horse. But no, no. He, he was actually my favourite horse ever to, to, to ride. Salem. I won a Hariva yeah. Stakes on it, um, Golden Topaz, uh, sort of like the New Markets of the Bush, and um, and, I, a, I, and a weary Dunlop at Benalla. Yeah, and the Weary Dunlop at Ben Benella was um, just the funniest memory of him. Um, he he uh, he was a horse that was you'd think it was sort of more or less like a mile and a half horse. He, he was the quietest ride you could ever speak of, and um, he was first up, so fresh, um, and he was a sprinter. But um, behind the gates, he's just walking around with his, you know. Um, Virtually sludging around like he's going to be running the mile and a half race, like I say, and and yeah. uh, we drew barrier two, and and um, we've walked into the gates, and and as always, he just straight away just stands there like he's half asleep, and yeah. um, and the horse that uh, moves into the barrier three was the sprinter, all eyes popping out of his head, primed um, <laughs> up, ready to go, and and, uh, and he's got mm. the horse has gone in red and and nearly sort of half taken on the front, and. Yeah. Uh, and I'll never forget it, Salem. He's just—he's turned his head to the side, and, I'm sh and I swear he shook, just shook his head. And what are you doing, mate? And uh, <laughs> anyway, and then he puts his head back into the the front of the gates and stands yeah. there and waits. And the gates open, bang, he's in the box seat and wins by five. It was um, oh god, yeah, yeah, just an incredible racehorse. But at the same time, a, a, just a, a horse that you'd um, love as a pony for for when he retired. <laughs> mm. Obviously, your brother Nash has been an inspiration right through your career, but in the early years, you had two other role models, and you reminded me of this on the phone the other day. One of them was Patrick Payne, and the other was a bloke we see on television frequently, 
And I think we tend to forget what a great rider he was, Simon Marshall. Uh, yeah, not, not a great rider. He was, at the time, like, like, honestly, he was virtually the best, uh, you know, that's the way I was saying it. And, and obviously mm. Patrick, though, as well, he, he was, they were just both amazing riders for their height, um, their balance, and and still their strength. Um, yeah, certainly always, you know, like, Gauchy's, you know, such a, such a, Incredible rider for, for mm. such a long time, but at the same time, because he was more or less half my size, there was never a rider that I could sort of look at and uh, be sort of training me style on. And, and mm. um, but when Patrick and and uh, and Simon, you know, you you watch them and and their poise was uh, always sort of you know what what I looked up to. And um, obviously, I had Nash that that was as well who was. You know, at the end of the day, I rate him as best in the world. So, um, mm. yeah, be lucky to have, uh, you know, um, an extra role model um, that I can call any time. Nash is hard to get past, isn't he? Yeah, I, he's, <laughs> he's an amazing rider. Um, oh, yes. Just a one-dimensional rider. He's, um, you know, he, he ticks all boxes. In, um, I, I, I love how... Um, Watching him sort of on the turns, building into it, um, into the straight, how he can get to an outside of a runner without losing momentum, he's yeah. um, to me the best, I think. So, uh, mm. yeah, it's um, I'm happy to call him your brother. I think the, the best example recently of his never-say-die attitude, what about that win on Eduardo at Randwick recently? You probably saw it. Uh, or you'd least see a replay when James McDonald just sauntered up on the outside on Nature Strip. <laughs> May have even yep. headed him for a stride or two. Nash said, not yet, boy. Yeah. Oh, um, did, didn't he lift that horse the last 50 metres? Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just Nash at his best and and, uh, and, and not – at the end of the day, you, you all but expect it from from Nash, and and mm. um, and it was a you know from 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 the side watching, um, you know when when Nature Strip, you know such a class animal in his own right. Um, mm. Yeah, certainly I was watching and and cheering uh, cheering cheering my brother home was pretty awesome. Yeah, you've always been a bloke to pull your weight where track work is concerned. Where are you riding work in Perth? Uh, yeah, I'm riding um, at Ascot's where, where I'm doing um, the, the main of my riding. Fridays now I'm going out to Lark Hill. Um, mm. Dan Morton's at Ascot is, is probably where I'm doing the main of me, me track work. Um, and, and obviously he had Elite Street who we, we won the winner bottom, winner yeah. bottom on. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, it's just uh, obviously I'm just trying to, Break into the ranks here, and, and uh, you know, it's always in, in track works. It's paramount, and uh, um, yeah, it's just uh, just going going through the motions. You can you can say to to, to hopefully um, be gaining more 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 chances, you know, in the in the future. Yeah. Hey, what a flying start to win the Winterbottom Stakes Group One, literally five minutes after you arrived in the joint. You couldn't believe it. Yeah, no, oh, look, it's. Um, like I say, I've, I've I've been lucky over the years, and and uh, to land land you know the the, the ride on Elite Street, um, you know in in the Winterbottom Stakes was huge, and and mm-hmm. to get out and get you know get the job done, it was the perfect start, and it was mm-hmm. after you know I was coming over, as we stated earlier, um, you know just trialing whether it could work in Perth, and and uh, um, all of a sudden you've won a Group One, and and mm-hmm. um, you know, you think the um, oh, it was a fairy tale start, you could say, and and, um, mm. and like we said earlier, it, you come crashing back down with me fall of Bunbury and um, mm. back to square one, and and now starting to build up build up the numbers again, and and yeah, um, yeah so we will like always we'll keep punching. You've had great support from your family, Brad, who were all prepared to get behind your move to Perth, and it's a long way from family and friends in Victoria. Your wife, Carolyn, uh, your nine-year-old daughter, Cleo, and your six-year-old son, Lucas, are now all honorary sand gropers. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, – oh, and it, look, it comes, um, you know, with, with um, 
you know, you're the support of your family. And then when Lindsay Smith had, had said about coming over, the, f- the first one you asked was your wife. And, and I, I, to be honest, wasn't real sure how how um, she would take it. And, and if, if I didn't have her support, I wouldn't have even dreamt of coming here. No. It's, um, and and she said, absolutely, bro. That, um, you know, could Let's be a go. great yeah. opportunity. And, and just for the kids, um, lifestyle-wise, or you know, you're not racing every day like you do in Victoria. And, mm. um, you know, at home, you know, I'd be gone in the morning. I'd see them before they go to school, but we'd be trying to get me weight. And, and then I'd get home and I'd be going to the sauna. So the kids, you know, look, I, I wasn't – um, spending the time as a, that a dad should, you know, be mm. spending with their kids. So now, now in Perth, it's um, because you have the extra couple of days off. Um, I'm actually taking taking the kids to the school more than more, more than more than my wife is. So yeah, uh, good on you. Uh, yeah, um, uh, we're enjoying life, and and um, and like I say, having oh yeah, look, if I didn't have Kaz's support, um, uh, pure and simply, I wouldn't be here. I'd, I'd be. Um, Still back in Melbourne, and and mm. uh, but uh, yeah, we're we're, in, we're enjoying the challenge, and and um, yeah, keep, well, we'll just, just keep moving on. Your record says it all, mate. Between twenty eight and twenty nine hundred winners, twenty five Group Ones. You're recognised throughout Australia as a great horseman, and you've upheld the tradition of excellence that has propelled the Rewilla Dynasty. To legendary status in Australian racing. Keep up the good work, Brad. It's great of you to uh, get up early and talk to us on a Sunday morning prior to going to the races way out in the wheat belt at Northam. Lovely to have you on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Keep up the good work. Thanks, John. And yeah, like I said, um, absolute pleasure to be uh, interviewed by yourself, who's uh yeah, uh, the legend caller of racing that, um, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's absolutely wonderful to be uh, interviewed with, with yourself and, and um, thanks again. Good on you, Brad. Good luck at Northern. Talk soon. <laughs>